Mother's Day, it's such a, I have such a love-hate relationship. I love it because I have three kids and they're a mess. And they're like, at five o'clock in the morning, happy Mother's Day. I'm like, no, if you love me, you let me sleep. It's my Mother's Day gift, sleep, let me nap. But you know, our heart also remembers our friends who have lost a child, who's today's a reminder of what they lost. Today marks another day of another year that has gone by and someone still cannot get pregnant. It's a reminder of hearing the words from the doctor going, there is no heartbeat. It's, it's a struggle, but we love you guys. We love mothers. We want you to know that we are here for you. We are here to encourage you, to love on you. And happy Mother's Day. If you have not been told happy Mother's Day, happy Mother's Day. I got told at 3 o'clock in the morning. So, so you know. So first of all, I wanted to uh, say welcome. And let me explain my coffee here to you. Um, I'm stubborn, in case you didn't know me. And I'm not just stubborn, I'm also Mexican. So I'm Mexican and stubborn, and that's a double whammy. Ask my husband. So I've been struggling with really bad allergies for like two weeks, and my husband who loves me is like, go to the doctor. And I'm like, I'm not dying yet. No, no, I'm not gonna do that. Mm -mm. Why am I gonna pay him to tell me to take Allegra and nasal spray? I'm good. So because I have ignored my husband for two weeks straight, Friday, I teach kindergarten, and we had a kindergarten field trip to the zoo. And I took two Certex, really believing that I was going to be okay. And then we went to the park afterwards. And by the time we got back to school, my left eye was swollen shut from allergies. It was that awesome. I was like, oh, dear Lord. Have you all seen Hitch? Could you remember the part where he's got the food allergies? That was me on Friday. It was bad. So I had to go to the doctor, gave me a steroid shot. Finally, I was able to see. That was a good thing. I drove myself there. I did. I drove myself there. Uh, but y'all, if, if I seem out of it, I'm on really strong medicine. And this is why I don't take medicine, because it does this to me. But today we want to continue our series, Selfless. And today we're going to be talking about faithful in service. And I really think that moms and women in general exemplify this so much. If there is anyone that is selfless in service, it's moms. Moms cannot afford to get sick. Have you seen what happens when you get sick? It's like you blink in the house, like there's a Jumanji game going on and your family's losing. And you're like, what? You know, your husband's walking out the door and he's really proud that he ironed his clothes and there's the perfect burnt iron mark on the back of his shirt. And you're like, <sighs> you know, your kids come back from school and you're like, that doesn't match. What, why is that so wrinkled? Like, that dressed me. I'm like, <sighs> yay. All day long, people saw you like this, baby. <laughs> You know, I don't think I have ever seen a more exhausting being than a mom with little ones. You don't sleep. You, I can remember the other day, um, someone was talking, I, I showed up and my shirt had something behind it. And I was like, oh, I think that's Sophia. 
She hugged me and she had something in her hands. But I'm really thankful that it wasn't poop and it wasn't throw up. <laughs> because I have shown up into work with both of them either in my hair or on my clothes. I have shown up to work with my clothes inside out. <laughs> with different colored shoes. That in the light, they were obviously, one was blue and the other one was black. Why? Because we are running around like crazy, trying to fulfill and meet so many needs in our households. You know, you cook, you clean, you do laundry. Sometimes we don't hang it up. We got the chair or the couch or the laundry room that collects clean clothes. Listen, I am there with you. You know, we have the dishwasher that we keep washing the dishes because we can't remember if they're clean or if they're dirty. Yeah? You wash the same load of clothes for the same reason? You know, it's like, oh, we have school tomorrow. You need clean clothes. Let me go do laundry real quick. It's okay, Mom. It's okay. It's going to be okay. And we are so thankful for you. Single moms, I don't know how you do it. I don't. Seriously, I get to be a single mom a couple of times a year because Jason leaves me for the military. And I'm like, dear Lord, come back. Come back. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you work and clean and cook and take care of your kids and have them do homework and, and how they're still alive. I don't. And you know what? Sometimes we see each other and we think, that mom has it all put together. Man, I want to be like her. You know, you go to somebody else's house and it's spotless and you're like, mm, dang it. How do they do it? I don't know. My house is not spotless. I can't help you. <laughs> I had to go this morning and dig through our clean clothes pile to find clothes for my kids and my husband and me. It's okay not to have it all together, Mom. It's okay. But you know what? Today's service, I love it because it highlights what you are already doing. You are faithful in service. And you know what? In a culture where mothers and people in general are being taught and pushed and pressured for it to be all about them, you go against the grain and you make it about others. And that is awesome. You know, um, we go to Waco quite often. And on one of our Waco trips, um, we had done whatever we needed to do and we're headed back home. And we took a little detour. And Jonathan, our second one, goes, where are we going? And without missing a beat from the back is Josiah going, hello, mommy and daddy, always stop at Starbucks. And we're like, yes, we do. We are parents. We deserve Starbucks. <laughs> and you better believe that if I'm going to go to Waco, I am stopping at Starbucks twice if I have to. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I do always, always. Sometimes I go for Starbucks and I end up doing other stuff. But my main reason is Starbucks. It really is. It's my love language. No, Napping is my love language. Starbucks is my backup, okay? If I can't nap, then I Starbucks. It's one or the other. But 
It was so funny because it triggered the word always. Mommy and daddy always go to Starbucks. So let's think about this. If someone described your actions using the word always, what would they say you always do? What would it be? What would they say you're always doing? Are you always encouraging people? Or are you always griping about things? Are you always looking for the good in someone? Or are you always gossiping about them? Are you always texting on your phone? Are you always posting that perfect selfie? I got whiplash, how do y'all do that? What are you always on? What are you always doing? What is it? You know, our culture thrives and promotes it. Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, it's all about look at me, look at me, look at me. Find out how great I am. Let me switch filters, I don't like that one. You're like, You know, I used to do that because I couldn't see. I needed glasses. That was the only reason I would do this, ever. And now, like, kids are doing it all the time. But they're not trying to read. They're trying to take the perfect selfie. It's all about self-promotion. Now, I, I googled self-promotion, see what popped up, and there were so many articles about how to promote yourself. How can you promote yourself? And here are three that stood out. One was the art of self-promotion. Six ways to get your work discovered. Forbes, if you don't know the Forbes magazine, it's all about business. This was their article. Self-promotion is a skill. A skill is something that can be learned, it can be taught, it can be mastered. Self-promotion is a skill that you need. And then this last one was my favorite. 40 ways to self-promote without being a jerk. Yeah. Self-promotion is a skill, something you need. If you want to be successful, you need it. You have to know how to promote yourself, how to get people to recognize you, to notice you. And do you know right now, if you were to ask teenagers what the most popular answer is of their career choice, what they want to be, you know, kinder graduation's coming up. I don't know why we do kinder graduation, but it's always been done, so here I am. Like five years in a row, graduating kindergartners. And we always do like this cute little things like, what do you wanna be when you grow up? And you know, they give you all kinds of silly answers like, I wanna be a princess. And I'm like, oh, me too, oh my gosh, tell me more. You know, they have all these dreams of what they wanna be. But if you ask teenagers, 54% of them want to be a celebrity. They want to be a celebrity. 54%. They want to be a celebrity, a YouTube star. I got to put myself out there, record all these videos, let them discover how great I am. That's what they want to be, a celebrity, 54%. It's more than half for those of you who are math strugglers like me. But listen, 
This is, if, if you're young and hip, this is a new slang, okay? So let me let you be young and hip, because I had to learn this. When you ask kids what do they want it to be, they all answered, I want to be the goat. And I know that's a dangerous word being in Mejia Blaca territory, but just bear with me, okay? I did not make this up, okay? This is the heathen people came up with it. I want to be the goat. Do you know what that stands for? G-O-A-T, goat. Yeah, the greatest of all time. That's what they want to be, the greatest of all time. They want to be the goat. It wants to be all about them. And this culture that we're living in promotes it and encourages it to put everybody else down as long as they're the greatest of all. The greatest of all of them. But you want to know what the problem is? If we're following Christ, if we are following Christ, if we're wanting to be Christ followers, Christ teaches us the exact opposite. Why? Because what did he say? The greatest of you. You want to be great? In the kingdom of God, you have to be the servant. Do you want to be great? In the kingdom of God, you have to be the servant. How do we know this? Well done, good and faithful servant. What did, what did God say to Satan? Have you considered my servant, Job? There is no one like him. You want God to brag about you? You be a servant. You be a servant. So today, that's what we're going to focus on. If you want to follow me, this, and these are the words that Jesus used. Listen, you have to deny yourself first. You have to stop self-promoting your greatness. And then you have to pick up your cross. There is a hole there. You have to pick up your cross. That means you have to make a daily choice every single day to continue to deny yourself. And then you have to follow me. You have to be obedient in your walk. That's what Jesus said. If you want to follow me, stop self-promoting. Stop trying to be the greatest of all time. And obey and follow me. Now, I know that a lot of us struggle being like, mm, no, <laughs> no, I'm not a servant. I don't want to be a servant. That sounds like such a ugh, word, you know, servant. But you know what? In the kingdom of God, being a servant is not an action that we do. It's who we are called to be. We are called to be servants of the most high God. It's a calling. It's a state of being. And our actions are simply a reflection of the fact that we are following Jesus. That's it. It's a simple reflection because when I serve others, I'm serving Christ. When I serve others, I serve Christ. And that's what makes the difference. So what are you always doing? What are you always doing? I love the New Testament, Acts 9.36, mentions a woman by the name of Tabitha. She's actually, I love this fact, she's actually the first Greek woman mentioned in the New Testament. 
Okay, so if the Bible is going to mention someone for the first time, it's usually to use them as an example. And I love her because it says that she was always doing good and helping the poor. That's what she was known for. She was always doing good and helping the poor. Now, we don't know if she was a rich woman. We don't know if she was single. We don't know anything about her other than she was always doing good. And the way she was always doing good was by making clothes mostly for widows that had no means of support. Tabitha later on gets sick and she dies. And Peter gets called. He was in a nearby town and Peter goes over there. And when he walks in, the room is full of women who are crying and mourning the loss of this one woman and holding up the clothing that she made for them. And they're talking about how much she always helped them. And do you know what happens? Peter prays for her and God raises her from the dead. Isn't that amazing? A Greek woman who loved Jesus, who was always doing good. God sent Peter. He took her by the hand and said, Tabitha, get up. And I bet you she started sewing. <laughs> I bet you she was like, thanks, Peter. I got to get busy, so uh-uh, get out. I got things to do. Why? Because she was always doing good. What a wonderful example. Now you can ask that, well, how can I become a faithful servant? You know, I can't sing with the worship team. It's okay, I can't either. Y'all, Blake Sheldon can come and give me voice lessons for free for a year, for a lifetime, and I will never be able to sing with the worship team. I, it's not my talent. You know, it's just not. You may say, you know what, I don't know how to sew. I don't either. It's okay. There is something that you can do. So how can you become a faithful servant? It's three ways. You can bring a lunch, you can offer a ride, and you can carry a towel. Bring a lunch, offer a ride, carry a towel. We're gonna to be looking at these three just simple principles that are found in the Bible with three different stories. And the first one, bring a lunch. It's going to be David. You know, a lot of people know David as the great king. He was awesome. He defeated Goliath. Like, he rose to notoriety. Is that the word? Yes, thank you. I used it right. Yay. He rose to notoriety. He was popular because he killed Goliath. I gave up. I gave up on the word. My Spanglish is taking over. He became famous. Listen, when he would walk into a town, the women would run out into the streets and sing songs about how great he was, how amazing David was. But you know what? A lot of people think, man, that moment when he kills Goliath, that was the mark, that was the start. No, it wasn't. It really wasn't. The start was whenever he brought a lunch. See, if you look at the life of David, any time that you see David, whether he was tending sheep 
or whether he was playing the harp for Saul, he had a servant's heart. That's why he got promoted in the kingdom of God. That's why when the prophet Nathan came and saw all of his eight, he was the youngest of eight, that's when he saw all of his brothers, that's why he got chosen. Because God said, I look at the heart, and in David's heart was a servant. And that's why he got anointed. But let's look at his story. His story is in 1 Samuel 17, verse 17. And here's what it says. It says, one day Jesse, that's David's dad, said to his son David, take this basket of cooked grain and these 10 loaves of bread to your brothers in the camp. That was the job of a servant. But his dad said, hey, David, come here. I want you to do this. I want you to do this thing that it may not seem important to you. It may not seem like an important job to you, but it's an important job to God. Take this basket to your brothers. Go check on them. They're, they're at the field about to go to war. And that's when David, being obedient, having a servant's heart, took that basket of bread. And that's where God placed him so that he could hear that Goliath talking smack. You know, sometimes in our everyday lives, ladies, we don't feel like we're making a difference. We don't feel like packing lunches for our kids, unless you're like me and you forget, and they have to eat in the cafeteria. It's very important. But you know what? Maybe you're raising a David, and he needs that lunch packed every day. Maybe the fact that you, that you said lunch or that you said, hey, buddy, today I can't send you lunch, but you know what? I love you. Go have a good day at school. Go make good choices. Those words of encouragement that don't seem like much are the very life and essence of what God is needing you to do, to speak encouragement to someone. It's the little things. In the kingdom of God, the little things are the big things. Why? Because you're doing them faithfully. You're encouraging someone. Encourage someone throughout your day. It can be a kid. It can be another friend. It can be a total stranger you meet at the store. Someone that you see that is struggling, and you just encourage them. Man, what a great job you're doing. Thank you so much. Wow, you look great. Where did you get your shoes? Something. Encourage them, bringing life into them. Why? Because this tiny thing that seemed insignificant to others, like bringing a lunch, made such a difference in David's life. And you never know how your words, how your actions of encouragement, how something so small like inviting somebody out to lunch, hanging out with someone for coffee, texting somebody, hey, I'm thinking about you. Hey, I miss you. Hey, how's your day going? How such a tiny thing can make such a big impact on somebody's life. Because you know what? They may be the ones trying to fight off a Goliath. And they're losing that battle. They're losing that strength. But then you come along with a lunch. And you speak a word of encouragement. And you say, I'm praying for you. And you actually pray for them. And they get strengthened by God. And they're able to defeat their Goliath. You never know how bringing a lunch can impact someone just by being welcoming, by smiling. What an impact it can have. 
bring a lunch. If you want to one day fight the battle, you first have to bring a lunch. If you want to do one day great things, bring a lunch. Be faithful in the small things. Our second story today, you offer a ride. Offer a ride. You may say, no, I don't have a car. I can't drive yet. It's okay. Just listen up. Because this ride that was offered was not a car either. It was actually a donkey. See, years before Jesus actually came to earth, the prophet Zechariah said that the king would come riding on a donkey. And then 500, 400 years later, here comes Jesus. And it's time for him to do his triumphal entry to Jerusalem. And he tells his disciples, say, listen, go into town, find a donkey, untie it, and bring it. I know, right? And then he says, and if anyone asks you, what are you doing? Because if I saw someone coming to my yard taking my donkey, I would ask the same thing. What are you doing? Listen to his response. He says, tell them the Lord has need of it. So they do. It's in Luke 19, 31. There's Luke. I love it. If anyone asks you why you're taking the donkey, you should say, the master needs it. Listen, you know what I love about this? We can probably assume that this man was a businessman because he had money enough to have a donkey. We don't know if he had one donkey or 50 or 500. He may have been in the donkey business. I don't know. He maybe had a donkey car lot. I don't know. But he had a donkey. We don't know his name. We don't know anything about him other than he knew that God needed it and he was going to give it. Why? Because he was making a way for Jesus to enter Jerusalem. And all he needed to know was that the Lord needed it. And so you know what? When they came up to him and they told him that, he didn't say, well, listen, this is the latest donkey there is around. He's got low mileage. He has never been owned before. He has never been ridden before. So it's going to cost you some money. He didn't. He just said, okay. And he was okay with never getting credit for his name. No one ever knowing whose donkey that was that Jesus was riding, but God knew. You know what? When we bring missionaries up here and we ask you to partner up with us as a church and with them as you get finances, because maybe the Lord hasn't called you to that country, that's what you're doing. You are making a way for Jesus to go into a town that has never heard the gospel and you get to be a part of it. When these missionaries stand up here and they say, listen, we need you to partner up with us. This is what I hear. God is sending me and I need you as my partner. Do you know what that means? God needs me. God wants me to partner up with him. And you know what? We say yes. We say yes. We don't ask, well, how much, how is this going to affect us? How much? No. We say, God, yes. Why? Because we know that we're making a way for Jesus to walk into a town that has never heard of him before. And that's what's worth it. You are sending Jesus. You are making a way. 
You are making a way. Why? You offered a ride. You offer a way for somebody to hear about Jesus. What does that look like? Offer a ride to church. Invite someone and say, hey, I'll go pick you up. Hey, I'll meet you at the door. That's what we're doing. We're offering a ride. Something that may seem so simple. So simple. When we lived in Nacogdoches and we were youth pastors, it was so funny. We always started to tell our kids, it's like, listen, if you need a ride, text us, preferably before service. Like, at least give us two hours. And our sweet little teenagers who don't listen, just like yours don't listen either, would be like, service would be in 30 minutes, and one of us would get a text going, Pastor Jason, I need a ride. And you know what? We'd be like, we told you to text us early, but we're on our way. Why? Because at that time, an inconvenience to us was nothing compared to them coming to church. Yeah, that's good. It was nothing. It's a slight inconvenience. And that, in light of eternity, is nothing. So you know what? Sometimes serving, being a servant, is a slight inconvenience. It is uncomfortable. But in the light of eternity, it's worth it. It's worth it. I think that was the guy with the donkeys. I'm going to call him the donkey lot king. I think that's what he was. And he was like, you know what? The Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. Sometimes God calls us and he says, hey, I need you to be obedient. Hey, I need you to step up. Hey, I need you to get out of your comfort zone. I need you to be inconvenienced for just a minute and think about somebody other than you. I don't like those words. But I don't have to like them. I have to be obedient. Do you know how hard that is? It's like, oh, I don't like it. And, you know, Jesus and I have these conversations all the time. Because I told you, I'm stubborn and I'm Mexican. It's a double whammy. And I'm like, Jesus. And he's like, you know. I'm like, really? He's like, oh, I love, you know, I love Jesus because he can be sarcastic with me. And he can be like, oh, I'm sorry. When I was at the cross hanging and dying and it hurt. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, that I'm selfish. I'm sorry that I want everything to be convenient for me. I'm sorry that I want everything to be comfortable for me. And God's like, dude, I don't know what Bible you're reading, but I never said I wanted you to be comfortable. I said I wanted you to be obedient. I'm like, no, yeah, you did. Oh, yeah, you did. You know what? That's God calling us to be obedient, to be faithful in service. And you know what? I think sometimes we feel like, man, we're serving, we're serving, we're serving, and we're giving, and we're giving, and we're giving, and there's no return. I love God because he foresaw that, and he said, do not grow weary in doing good, because at just the right time, just the right time. And I'm like, yes, that's what keeps me going. Is it hard? Absolutely. Look at your exhausted mom. It's hard. No, she doesn't want to iron your underwear. Oh my gosh. It's hard. You know, it's like people think that moms have a special power to locate things. Mom, have you seen my shoes? 
Well, last time I wore them, I put them back where they were. Mom, have you seen this? Yes, it's on the it's on it's in the kitchen, in one of the in one of the uh, thingies. I can't find it. You have not moved from your spot. <laughs> of course, you can't find it. Where is this? It's in the medicine cabinet. Nope, I can't see it. And then what do you do, mom? You walk up there, you move one bottle, and you're like, <laughs> and what's the answer? Well, you didn't tell me to move that. <laughs> right? And you grow tired of it. And you grow weary of it. And sometimes you're so tired and so weary that you yell at your kids or at your spouse. Why? Because you're growing weary. Hang in there, Mom. Hang in there. One day you'll have an emptiness. One day there won't be dirty dishes. I bet you that there's a lady who lost her husband that wishes there were dirty socks somewhere on her floor. I bet you there are some moms that wish. There was that phone call going, Mom, I miss curfew. Hang in there, Mom. Hang in there, wife. You're giving it your all and you're seeing no return for your investment in your marriage and in your husband. Hang in there. You be faithful. You continue to be faithful in service because you never know the impact that you are going to have. You never know when your breakthrough is going to come through. Hang in there. You want to be a faithful servant? Carry a towel. Jesus is about to be crucified. This is his last supper with his disciples. He has told them about this. And I have to love how insensitive his disciples are because they are totally oblivious that Jesus is about to die and suffer so cruelly. They start arguing about who's going to take his place. Who's the greatest? Who is the greatest? And you know the argument was probably started by John. John is kind of annoying. He's like, I am the disciple that Jesus loves. Surely he's going to pick me. I'm his favorite. And then you know that that did not go over well with Peter because Peter's hot-tempered. And he's like, dude, you were still on the boat contemplating how much Jesus loved you when I was out there walking on the water. And then, you know, someone had to be like, Peter, you took three steps and drowned. But you know, Peter, he would not have stayed quiet and he would have been like, yeah, but Jesus rescued me because I'm his favorite. <laughs> and then Bartholomew would have gotten up and been like, guys, I swear it's going to be me. And they would have turned around and been like, Bartholomew? You're a disciple? I don't think anyone's going to remember you, dude. And Jesus is there and he's hearing all of this. And this is what catches Jesus' ear and I think his heart. Jesus saw proud hearts, selfish hearts, and dirty feet. 
See, back then, in the culture, when you came to somebody's house, they would wash your feet because you wore, everybody wore sandals. The roads were dusty and yucky. And then so when you came in, you would be like, hey, welcome. Can we wash your feet? And you would obviously say yes. And the host would never wash the feet. It was always the job of the servant or the slave. They would call them forward. They would kneel down, wash people's feet. Okay? That's like you, that, that would be like you coming into the house and we'd be like, hey, have a seat. Can we get you a drink? Can I give you a pedicure? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, yeah. But it was customary. Now, y'all, I'm a foot person, okay? I always notice if people's elbows are ashy and if they're wearing sandals, if their feet are not lotioned. It's just, I don't know why. I know everybody's like, it's okay. I won't judge you. Listen, we pay people for pedicures. We pay people to touch our feet because we don't want to touch them ourselves, okay? Now think about it, these are a bunch of men who have never had a pedicure in their life. Okay? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-uh. And here they are at this table, arguing about who is the greatest. And then the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, God in the flesh, gets up, takes off his outer clothes, grabs a servant's cloth, grabs their towel, wraps it around himself, and bends down in front of these men and washes their feet. The king of kings and lord of lords, knowing what he was going to go through, knowing the pain and the agony that he was going to experience, knowing that his disciples are fighting about who's next and who's the greatest, who's the goat, takes off his clothes, wraps a towel, and washes their feet. Sometimes we're unwilling to serve others because of their looks, because of their choices. It's like you made that choice, you will wallow in it. But not Jesus. He, do you know that he washed Judas's feet who was going to betray him? He still knelt down and washed his feet. He still washed the feet of Peter who was going to deny him. He still knelt down and washed them. Why? Because being a servant is what he was called to be while he was here. And he told them, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And not only am I going to tell you, but I'm going to show it to you. And what a great example he was. He served. Because listen, there will come a time when all of us will stand in front of God. And listen, he is going to separate the sheep from the goats. You want to be the greatest of all time? Jesus is going to make a clear distinction. I'm going to do it this way because I don't want you to think you're the goats. This way. Okay. This way. He's going to make that clear distinction. And listen, he's going to walk up to the goats, the greatest of all time, the best self-promoters, the ones with the best selfies who all they cared about was them and their agenda and what they could get out alive and how they could use others to advance. 
And he's going to look at them and he's going to say, dude, I never knew you. I have no clue who you are. But he's going to walk over to the sheep. And do you know what his words are going to be? Well done, good and faithful servants. I want to be called a servant by God. And then he's going to say, you know what? You brought me a lunch. One day I was out starving, and you saw me, and you brought me a lunch. And one day you offered me a ride. And one day you carried a towel for me. And the sheep, because sheep are dumb, are going to be like, Jesus, I don't remember seeing you there and doing that for you. And you know what his answer is going to be? Because you did it to the ones that least deserved it. The ones that everybody overlooked. When you were doing that to them, you were actually doing that for me. Why? Because when I serve others, I serve Christ. He's going to say, you visited me in prison. You didn't leave me there. You didn't forget me. You sent me a text message when I thought that everybody had forgotten about me. Man, you noticed that I wasn't in church and you went out of your way to say, hey, I missed you. I thought that I was forgotten and you remembered me. I walk into your church and you welcomed me with a smile and you introduced yourself to me. You invited me to lunch afterwards. You offered me a ride to church. When I was at my lowest, you came with a towel and you noticed me. And you served me with love. Listen, Jesus didn't get the towel and was like, come here, let me show you, dead gummit. Why don't you learn? How many times have I told you? That's a famous mom phrase. If I have said it once, I have said it a million times. The greatest is the servant. But he didn't. See, if I would have been Jesus, would have Mexican Jesus, I would have gotten my chancla and be like, I told you. <sighs> Why? He didn't. He did it with love. Regardless of their attitudes, regardless of their selfishness, he showed them. He showed them, you want to be great in the kingdom of God? Bring a lunch. Offer a ride. Carry a towel. Listen this morning, if God has been like, dude, you're selfish. You're starting to recognize some of that in your life. Or maybe you're growing weary in serving. Maybe you're one of those exhausted moms that you're just like, man, you feel like nothing you've done has stuck to your child. Maybe you feel like a failure as a mom. Maybe you feel like you're fighting a losing battle in your life with your children, with your spouse, and your job. Maybe you feel like you've epically failed your children, or you've epically failed as a woman, or you've epically failed at life. Maybe you're sitting there going, Dan, I just, I can't. I seem to have it all together, but I don't. I'm tired of wearing this mask. I'm, I'm tired. If you're weary, the Savior is here.
and he said that his yoke is easy and he said come to me those who are weary and i will give you rest it's time this morning to admit that you are weary in being faithful god i keep trying my best and it's just not working god i'm on the verge of giving up on this marriage on this life on this parenting morning I'm just weary in service God I just need a fresh start I need a fresh beginning this is your morning this is your morning fear like God I know I need to give more God show me a place where I can consistently serve you here at MFA Where can I consistently serve you, God? You're pointing out in my heart that I'm selfish. Where can I consistently serve you? Is God calling you to start a small group? Is God calling you to be a youth volunteer or a children's volunteer? Is God calling you to step up and to worship? There are some women here, Lord, who are just weary. God, they're weary and they're on the brink of giving up. God, they've been faithful in service, Lord, but it just seems to backfire. It seems to get worse instead of better. And God, this morning, Lord, you are here and you see them, God. And not only do you see them, Lord, you love them enough not to let them leave this place in the same condition.
struggling, if you need prayer, these altars are open and it would be my honor and my privilege to pray with you, to cry with you, to serve you. So we're just going to open up these altars. Seriously, if, you, if you're just there on the verge of giving up, you need someone, you need something, you need a breakthrough. for your presence. God, we are so thankful, God, that you brought us to your house this morning, Lord. Father God, let us go out and impact the kingdom of God and let those around us never be the same, God, because they have met you through us. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Guys, we love you. Oh, yeah. Okay. We love you. We'll see you next week.